0: G'day everyone, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 43 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast where we're talking IAARM and today it's my pleasure to introduce a wonderful young lady by the name of Taylor Anne who's 22 year old from Ohio who was born with IAARM. Her story is number 108 in the book and for those who have the book, Taylor Anne's wonderful parents, Jeff and Tracy, also have written their version of their story in the book, which is story number 103. So welcome to the podcast, Taylor Anne.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. And just a bit of a background. I first met Taylor Anne when she was about 15, 16, I think it was, at the Pool Food Network. And I've seen her grow into a wonderful young lady and I've been very, very close with her parents and her family for the whole time. And we caught up July last year and it was Mm -hmm. wonderful seeing them all again. So, okay, Taylor, let's start at the top.
1: Perfect. Sounds good. It is hard to sum up what my 20 years of life has been like in only a few words, let alone finding the right words. Living with IA-ARM has been a journey. Due to that and other congenital defects explained by my diagnosis of vactual association, my life has been overwhelmed by chronic pain, frequent sickness, a body that is prone to infection, daily medical care, and approximately 60 surgeries. At just a day old, I was lifelighted to a hospital for surgery to get a coleostomy. As they were preparing for the surgery and had started to sedate me, they discovered a fistula which had allowed the passing of meconium. They decided to hold off doing the colostomy since this opening at the end of my vagina was expected to allow stool to pass. After going home, my parents had to dilate me until further steps in my treatment could be planned. Even though I do not remember any of this, I know that I spent each day in extreme pain and that pain has continued for all the years since. Due to that, many appointments, tests and procedures I had to get done in the early stages of life Many more anomalies were found and many more questions and issues arose. I was so different that my doctors told my parents that I was the 1% of the 1%. I was a complicated case and I still am. I was certainly not what you'd call a standard textbook case. My childhood was challenging and traumatic. Bow management over the years and the specific program I was a part of at six years of age was all horrific. I still shake when I think of it or if it is mentioned or if I see an enema. Even medical supplies, which I use every single day, still cause me angst. Due to how complicated I was, the bowel management program took way longer than it was supposed to, and eventually no form of bowel management was even applied to my life because it was just too difficult. I went through weeks of tests, procedures, trauma to the body, and tubes being shoved into me all for nothing. Since nothing made sense or worked for me, I just stayed the way I was, incontinent, even though I was only six years old, my memories are still very clear. I finally had the Malone procedure done when I was 14. Over the past six years with my Malone, doing a flush requires me to be in the bathroom for an hour and a half. It has been a blessing for sure, but it did happen much later on in my life and it still comes with many complications and issues at certain times. If things are off or if I'm dealing with other issues, I can be in the bathroom for hours and hours. I feel sad and annoyed, like I'm wasting hours of my days sitting on the toilet for long periods of time. The aftermath of flushing can even make me feel quite sick with pain in my stomach, extreme chills and no energy, which makes sense since I'm emptying and depleting myself. As a child, I was constantly out of school getting surgery after surgery done. I was constantly in hospitals and at appointments. I was constantly dealing with sickness, pain and infections. So I didn't have much of a childhood. I couldn't get out like normal kids and enjoy childhood things. The surgeries and infections would land me in the hospital for long periods of time. As I expressed before, since my medical problems were so complex and I didn't have anything to assist with my incontinence, I had to wear coverage on a daily basis up until the age of 14. I dealt with constant smells, trying to hide it from my peers. And even with the coverage, I still experienced leakage. Growing up, my school did not understand, care, or listen. I would get constant questions from my peers as to why I was gone for so long, why I was constantly in the nurse's office, why I would leave class whenever I needed, why I used a different bathroom than they did, and so on. As a result, kids started to find out because I would change in the girls' locker room stalls for gym class. I'd get questioned why I didn't just change in front of everyone else like they did. I wouldn't be able to participate in certain gym class activities due to my malformed spine. I've had to leave class randomly to take care of my medical mess. I would be out of school for days on end due to sickness, pain, or surgery. It was all these things that normal kids never had to deal with what I experienced. I ended up being bullied and no one wanted to be my friend because I was different. They only saw me as my illness. This continued I was growing up and it still goes on to this day. Not many see me for me. They only see me as a sick girl. I have personally been told by others that they think I am faking it. To this day, I still don't have many friends. I have a few special ones that see me as Taylor Ann who are there for me and love me through it all. They try to understand the best they can. I am so thankful for them because with everything I have gone through, it has shown me that these are the types of friends that are true gems in this world. I am so thankful to have found different support groups, networks, and camps that have blessed me with friends who get it and understand. These friends, the pull through network conferences and youth rally has given me a home that I never had before. It has given me a certain love, care, and understanding and support that is very hard to describe and is so, so special. My parents have also been my biggest supporters and advocates throughout my 20 years, which I am beyond thankful for. As the years went on, so many things worsened. The bullying became extreme. I was getting sick more often and my pain was worse than ever. I had constant infections in a body that couldn't handle anything without becoming extremely weak. These issues would put me in bed or in hospital for days. That all continually happened growing up. Eventually I ended up being homeschooled for four years. That was a good decision for me health wise as I was able to have my own schedule that worked with my body but it really wasn't my preferred thing. I felt like I was trapped in a prison. I felt like I was only at home because I was sick. After those four years, I decided I want to be back in school. However, I would say that I was only truly physically at the school one year in total out of my four years of high school. My body was so miserable from having complication after complication. During those four years, I was fighting with the school as well as fighting what was going on in my body. I didn't fit the school's normal box. It made me feel unworthy and like I was an object, not a person. It made me feel like no one in this world would ever listen, understand, or care for me and what I was going through. Obviously, throughout this, I had no friends, and the friendships that I did have began to fade. This was all because, as I like to say, I was out of sight, out of mind. My body had an extremely hard time with everything that happens in teenage and adolescent years. That was when I had my Malone procedure done. It was a major surgery that included many other things during my freshman year of high school. This surgery amounted to a total of seven surgeries in one and lasted 15 hours. My body did not know how to handle it. Adding all the medical craziness to a time of normal teenage issues was hard for me in every single aspect. My body did not accept this surgery at all. It was a long, painful, and horrific couple of years after the surgery. Everything you could possibly think of went wrong. And beyond that, things that the doctors didn't even know were possible and for which they had no clue on what to do. The surgery was one that was supposed to change my life for the better, but that did not happen. It did change my life forever, but not in the way it was supposed to. And I was so mad that I wish I had never gotten it done. I had a lot of recovering to do after this surgery. I spent months in bed and had new procedures to manage my body, which was all very hard to adjust to. While going through the process of recovering, learning, and enduring the unimaginable in order to finish out my high school years, I ended up having an at-home instructor. My body eventually began to adjust to the surgeries that had been done, which I was so thankful for. However, in the middle of my senior year of high school, a new complication arose. I almost went septic from it. It was a new issue that took a while to identify and was something new to add to the still growing list of the last 20 years. There was another major surgery done to try and fix that issue and again, because my body is so complicated, it was another long hard recovery. This time, as with every time my body is dealing with something, it messed up my bowel system very badly. My body now decides randomly if it wants to be constipated or have hypermotility. If I am constipated, my flushes will take hours. They will be excruciating as I have the worst cramps ever. My face gets flushed as well as pale and my lips become purple. I will get extremely nauseous as well. If it is hypermotility, I will not stop emptying stool with absolutely no control. It is then constant accidents for a full 24 hours, even when x-rays show that my colon is empty. Having continual medical treatments and needing to use supplies each day is something that isn't normal, but it has always been my normal. Sometimes it will randomly hit me and I think, oh, that's right. This is not how other people pee and poop. Even though it is my normal, it is still hard at times knowing I have to pack an extra bag full of medical supplies just to stay at my grandparents' house. And then have to get all my supplies checked at the airport security. I must remember to order the supplies each month so I can stay alive. I need to have extra space to store all those supplies. And so it goes on and on. Going back to the end of my high school days, I was determined to graduate. It was a challenge, but I did it. However, I had no life. I had no friends or a social life. The things I loved were taken from me as I spent most of my time in bed, unable to get rid of excruciating pain and infections. I did nothing. The only time I got up or went anywhere was to go to the bathroom to sit for hours on the toilet. The trauma of my life is crazy. To this day, Smells or what I see in a hospital or doctor's office can cause me anxiety. After approximately 60 surgeries, the operating room still gives me a small anxiety attack and I began to shake. It's now just a part of the routine of each surgery. Even random smells can bring back memories of earlier years that I don't specifically remember but make me feel uneasy. For many years, I was scared of anyone wearing a white coat, even outside of the hospital. Bright lights anywhere reminded me too much about the operating room. I even have trauma from the people who were supposed to help me, whether they were doctors, nurses, psychologists, social workers, school staff, or friends. Others wouldn't believe my complexity or thought I was just defiant. They didn't understand and told me things that made matters worse. Not being listened to was traumatic in itself. These days, it is still hard for me to trust anyone. Having had so many pokes, prods, experiments, procedures, surgeries, tests, etc., would explain why I feel the way I do. Because of everything that happened up to the year 2018, I knew that after high school, I was not going to be able to go to college like the rest of my peers. I knew I needed to focus on my health. There was no way in the state I was in, I could go off to school. Since May of 2019, after I recovered from my last major surgery, I have been able to have more of a life than I have ever had. But while I have been the healthiest I have ever been, I still deal with crazy medical issues that doctors are still trying to understand. I still have extreme infections that land me in in hospital for days, and I still deal with a ton of pain and sickness. It isn't always easy, but I look for what I can do and take out of the journey I have been on. I was determined to try school this thing online. I may be a bit behind on things and I may not know what is going to happen in the future, since I do not even know what is going to happen day to day. But I have a passion for patient and medical advocacy that has been inspired by all that I have been through. I am determined to use it somehow, even though I am unsure what will happen. But I refuse to live in fear. I will keep going even when it is extremely hard.
0: Well, you certainly do keep going even when it's extremely hard. (laughs) I've seen that firsthand. Thanks for sharing your story. How do you feel by reading it back now? And that's two years ago. So I think a lot of it happened since.
1: Right. I think it's crazy that I didn't like until reading that back realize like, oh wow, that was like two years ago already. Like how fast time has gone. And then like how much has happened still in in the two years since obviously this came out and I wrote this. It's crazy because I feel like you know obviously a lot that I wrote and what I was reading back is still obviously pretty much all relevant to this day but I think that there's more of a hope that Taylorin has now than the Taylorin two years ago so yeah I feel like that's kind of what I gathered from reading that back
0: isn't that wonderful Mm -hmm. you're smiling when you say that too
1: oh (laughs) good I'm glad
0: (laughs) let's well let's talk about the last two years so what's happened from a school perspective you know you said you're doing some online work what's happened there
1: yeah, so after a semester that I had done school online, it got to be way too much more because I was dealing with complications from the most recent surgery that I talked about in the in the book, and it just obviously, I was like, I can't go on. At least I got some credits in, um, but after that semester, I was like, all right, I got to stop for now. Thankfully, even though it has been two years, I am now actually able to start back. It wasn't necessarily like I didn't feel like I could Um, in the last two years. It was more of like I had no idea what I wanted to do and I didn't know what route that would be. And so obviously with my body and my life, it's a lot harder to be like, oh, I'm just going to go and, you know, spend that time and energy on working towards something that I have no idea what I want to do. So I wanted to take that time until I knew and I knew that I didn't have to have it done right away. You know, I mean, society makes it feel like we do, but I knew that I didn't. And so I just kind of waited it out until I kind of was like, you know what, I think I know what I want to do and kind of a route I want to take. And I am actually just starting school back this semester. I'm starting some prerequisite classes, knowing that I either want to go into nursing or disability studies.
0: Oh, isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. With with all your experience and what you've been through, you will be such a valuable asset that side of things. And yeah. how would it feel to be nursing, be in a hospital every day? Because I know that. You mentioned in the book how it sort of like creates such anxiety for you. How would you handle that?
1: Well, that's what's even crazy, I guess, also is a thing that's changed so much in the two years because two years ago, Taylor Ann would never have been able to be a nurse. It was really more recent that I have been like, it doesn't bother me like any of the medical stuff, as long as it's obviously if I'm not doing it myself, then I'm okay with things. uh, Yeah, so I feel like that has a lot, like a lot of anxiety in that way has calmed down a lot. And I feel like I do a lot better too, in settings, even when it's for me, and when I'm getting stuff done. Obviously, there's still that normal anxiety. But I think, you know, growing up and maturing more, it's just kind of made me realize, like, I want to be able to obviously help and support and advocate in the best way i can in the medical field just obviously from my experience as i mentioned and it just it kind of take it's just taken away a lot of that anxiety because i know just how much i want to be an asset in that in the medical world
0: and it makes such a difference knowing that you have that plan because our day to day life is not knowing what's going to come up from one day exactly. to the next because of our health, doesn't it? Yep. And have something to look forward to gives you that focus.
1: 100%.
0: What would be a normal Taylor Ann week?
1: Like as of just right now, just what would be a normal week?
0: Yes, right now.
1: Well, first of all, my weeks have gotten so much better in the last even just couple months because my sleep was a big problem for things. And I finally have gotten something figured out for that. So because of that, I'm like now able to be up and moving a lot during the day than I wasn't able to before because I wasn't getting the sleep that my body needed. So I'd say, you know, it's a normal, normal morning, you know, to get up. I either, if depending upon if I have to do my treatment that morning, I do them in the mornings. And so it's either done then, it either consists of normally, sometimes it's going to a doctor's appointment, or it's like, if I'm feeling up for it, then I'll go to the store or I'll either do workout like some little workout exercise movements, stretches, all that kind of stuff here at home. or I I also try to get out to do like aquatic exercising as well as just being able to sometimes you know get out with friends as much as I can. Just trying to stay as busy as I can when my body allows me to. I've noticed that helps to a lot with my physical my mental and emotional health too. So I would say it's a good mixture of kind of finding balance to get out of the house as well as taking care of myself at home when I need to.
0: So you've just touched on your mental health. As you've got older, how have you handled the mental health issues from living with our condition?
1: I would say, first of all, I mean, like obviously as a kid, when you're, when you're young, it's not something that I feel like. I mean, now I feel like it is time, you know, years have gone on, it's being more talked about, but especially with us in our lives, like, growing up, it was like, okay, if I'm thinking this way, I'm feeling this way, why is it and you didn't really understand. And now being an adult, I think what's so special kind of about what I've gone through is I've understood just how important my mental health is. And I've been able to find ways to help obviously cope with that and know what works best for me. Yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of things that I've been able to take and grasp and learn from over the years and now being an adult, being able to help myself understand and grasp how I can better help my mental health along with obviously all the physical stuff that goes on.
0: Okay, along those lines, have you had to engage in therapy for your psychological health?
1: Yes. I have gone through that for many years, but especially now more than ever, it's been something that I prioritize. 100% is something that I want to be a part of. And it's something that was really beneficial, really, really helps me.
0: We're, we'd have a lot of parents who are listening to this now who'd have similar issues. What would your advice to parents be if they see that their son or daughter may be going through some issues with school, etc.? cetera?
1: Yeah, I think a big thing that is super, super helpful in general is just being able to have open dialogue and communication. Letting, obviously as a parent, letting your child know, being like, hey, I'm seeing you struggling and being able to ask like, what can I do to help you? I think also understanding that it is also very helpful and it's very beneficial for any any teenager, anyone around that age, to be able to have an outlet that's not just your parents. And I think that being able to talk to somebody else that isn't, you know, either someone in the family or someone you are you've known for a while or whatever, is so beneficial. It really is
0: Okay. And this is a question that we've all dealt with, people with our condition. What impact was it when you started going to the Pull Through Network conferences and Youth Rally, et cetera, to meet others who gets it?
1: Oh, my gosh. I think that was probably one of the greatest things that has ever you know, come out of anything that's happened in my life. I mean, I really did not know anybody or talk to anybody that had any anything similar to what I was going through literally up until I was about 13, 14 years old, when it was the first time I went to the pull through conference. And I mean, just the aspect of like how much my life changed in so many ways, being able to connect with others that get it and understand was just like something. I mean, it's like hard even like put into words just how like special it is when there's, you know, people that just get it. And I think also there's just like a connection that people get, like people have when you understand what each other is going through. I think, you know, I mean, it definitely helped obviously my mental and emotional health too. I mean, being able to like realize like, oh my gosh, I am not alone, you know, and I have people that, want to care and understand and get it and talk to me about we can talk to each other about hey this is what's going on in my life this is what's going on in mine and being like oh my gosh i get it there's just something so special about that that like is it was just it's just it was life-changing
0: yeah it is it is hard to explain isn't it
1: mm-hmm. it really is
0: i know over the last couple of years too you've had some major issues where you've had to go to hospital again and a lot of it's evolved around sepsis hasn't it
1: yes correct
0: and recently you only just come out of hospital two weeks ago too
1: <laughs> yeah it has only been two weeks
0: yeah so if you can just go through and just explain how that's affected your body
1: yeah for sure Well, okay. So my first time that I had gone sepsis, it was during a time when I just wasn't even really physically healthy and that has nothing. And I don't mean it has nothing to do with our life and what we, you know, we go through. I just had gotten to a point where I kind of stopped taking care of myself. And obviously when I went sepsis, it, it was noticeable and I didn't want to be even in a deeper hole than I was physically because of it all. And so as time has gone on, I have been able to kind of just realize like, what can I do for myself to help my body better through it? And it has been figuring out what foods help me, what types of exercises help my body to keep me going. So when someone obviously goes sepsis, it, it, defeats you. It, there's so much of your body that just like crumbles in a way, if that's the best way to explain it. I mean, your body obviously, was just fighting, fighting for your life. And so when that happens, you know, obviously, there's a lot of physical things that happen. My body just loses a lot of the strength that I had, or it affects a lot of my bowel regimen. And it'll affect a lot of my chronic pain. It'll affect a lot of my other conditions as well, to the point where I have to now kind of start over in a way. And that's what it what happens. It's like, okay, now I got to realize how how do I get myself back to a place where I can feel healthy enough and feel okay because, yeah, your body gets extremely weak and you have to build those muscles back up. It does affect my bowels and my stomach and it really causes can cause a lot of issues and it's hard, but it's like you really have to learn out of experience, as hard as that is, to know exactly like how can I get my body back the reason I'm sitting here and being able to talk to you today and feel as okay as I can right now after literally getting out of the hospital just two weeks ago is because I've been able to learn how can I get my body back how can I get to where I need to be and want to be physically because it does deplete you
0: Yep. Have the doctors been able to make any connection between the IAARM and all these bouts of sepsis that you've dealt with?
1: I mean, it's been mostly related to bladder and kidney infections. However, obviously my my bladder is augmented. So there is a lot of my bladder is colon and with it large intestine having a, it's just like a big pool for bacteria there's an even greater risk of me getting infections. And so as of right now, doctors are trying, they're working together, different colorectal centers getting together to try and figure out like, okay, why does this keep happening? And how, what is the source of it? You know, in that whole region, like what's going on? Like, what's, what's the problem? Why is there so many infections? Why is your body, you know, reacting that way? So no, I mean, as of right now, no one really knows specifically what and why, but it's been a day-to-day thing, trying to figure it out.
0: It gets back to being the 1% of the 1%, doesn't it?
1: 100%.
0: I know that we touched on it in the book about how you have many associated issues with the IAARM. Do you want to just mention what they are? You've just mentioned they're like the augmented bladder, but- what are all the different conditions you've had to deal deal with all of your life?
1: Oh, well, there's been, I mean, many. Um, obviously my another, you know, diagnosis, another main one is vactual, and I have the vertebrae out of that, the anorectal, obviously, and then renal, where it has affected my spine and it has affected my bladder and my kidneys as well as my reproductive system um, is duplicated as well due to obviously all of that I have the neurogenic bladder I have duplicated ureters along with was just recently diagnosed with POTS and with, as pot. well as with POTS yes so it is when your heart is beating a lot quicker like my autonomic system starts to flare up and cause me to have extremely low blood pressure and a very high heart rate, which can cause a lot of dizziness, low energy, can cause nausea, vomiting, it can cause a lot, a lot of fatigue, it can even cause someone to pass out, depending upon how extreme things can be.
0: That's unbelievable. And they've only just diagnosed that now.
1: Mm-hmm. It has been something that I have or they have kind of thought about when I was a early teen, around maybe 12 or 13 years old, it had been thought about, but no doctor wanted to further the testing for it. So I have been dealing with it for sure the last 10 years, but it just wasn't diagnosed until now.
0: So that just t- ticks off the letter C for cardiac and doesn't it?
1: Oh, yes. Very much so. <laughs>
0: You are an amazing young lady. What you've had to deal,
1: oh, you're sweet,
0: Taylor. And you've got two wonderful younger siblings, younger sisters. Yes. How has your health condition impacted on your siblings?
1: That's definitely, it definitely has had an impact on them. And obviously, now that I'm an adult, I can look back, and even now being an adult, can see how it has affected them more than I, I know was able to understand in years past. I mean, obviously growing up, a lot of attention had to be on me. And so, you know, my sisters, they didn't get as much of the attention and it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with my parents, obviously not wanting to give it, they had attention to yeah, them, absolutely. but there was a lot of, you know, a lot of sickness, a lot of hospital stays, a lot of surgeries, appointments, all these things that, took a lot of time. And, you know, there were times where my siblings, I mean, and they've admitted to me now that were as that were older, you know, it was hard. They w- there was times where they kind of resented me and were upset that I was taking mom and dad away from them, as well as I think they felt like they're oh, the attention was always on Taylor and the attention, the attention, you know, not just from my parents, but from you know, friends and family, friends and other relatives. And I think it was hard because I mean, as an, any kid, you know, you, you, you do really want that attention from anyone, especially your parents. And so I know that that was definitely something that they, they definitely would, they struggled with. I think also, I mean, a thing that I'm so grateful for, um, I just, and So blessed that they were my sisters. I mean, I think also it affected them in the way that they really cared about me and just went to bat for me and wanted to fight for me (laughs) and didn't want anyone to obviously be like, no, she's, you know, don't, don't hurt my sister. Don't hurt her. And so I think, you know, a lot of the times they had to grow up a lot really quickly too, along with just my, it wasn't just me. They had to grow up quickly as well because they had to realize, okay, this is what Taylor Ann deals with, as well as, okay, this is why mom and dad need to be with her a lot, and as well as, okay, this is how I want to protect Taylor Ann, how I want to protect us as a family. Yeah, I mean, so in general, I mean, it definitely affected them in major ways and still affects them to this day because I'm still their sister and they want to care for me and protect me. And yeah.
0: And one of the lovely things is, is every time we have a conference or the PTN conference, your mum and dad mm-hmm. and your two sisters are always there with you. How, do you think having those conferences and meeting other siblings has helped them as well?
1: Oh, my gosh, totally. I think that's probably been one of my most favorite things being at the pull-through conferences is seeing my sisters and my parents, I mean, my parents have definitely have, you know, met other parents here and there over the years. But my siblings, I mean, my sisters, they had never met anyone else in their shoes that was going through what they've gone through. they never met anyone that was like, oh my gosh, I get it as a sibling. And I think that that has always been one of my most favorite things to watch was just see how much it's impacted them as well. Like, I mean, I can see how much, like, I know how much has impacted me and I can see how much it's impacted them. Yeah. I mean, being able for, for them to relate to other people is so important too.
0: Yep. And how have you handled the transition from adolescence to adulthood? <laughs> and yeah. I this, is, this is where I'll uh, mention <laughs> how I come into play a little bit because I remember we we're at the PTN and you were classified as a teen, even though you were eighteen, yeah. and I sort of like said, "Nope, you're an adult now. We're gonna bring you into the adult group." And I yep. sort of am not too sure if I uh, got off the wrong side of a few people by doing it at the time. <laughs> but
1: you know what? I thank you so much to this day. I mean, it's it definitely was and still is a blessing to be able to like look back at that because it really did out push me and be like no like yeah you're an adult like let's figure out how you can you know create that independence for yourself and start taking care of like your health you know it's definitely a transition that isn't easy and even though i've been doing it for even i mean started doing that by the time i was 16 years old for sure um started taking a lot of things in my own hands i mean in general anyone going from Adolescence to adult, it is it's hard, it's challenging, it is, but I mean, add on with what we go through. There's a lot more, there's a lot more steps than <laughs> the other and everyone else. And you know, I'm I'm still learning and growing and figuring it out, but I will say that it's definitely been something that I have loved being able to learn and grasp and, you know, being able to take ownership of like my health and my life is like really exciting.
0: Oh, that's great. Because I know the session that we brought you into was a pretty full on session at the time, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was. Definitely was.
0: With your condition and your health, you've had to spend most of your time at home, as you mentioned, about schooling and such. How do you think it will affect you trying to get a job, et cetera, going forward?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's already been kind of seen. I've been getting to a point where I feel ready to at least take some type of a step to be able to work, even if it's just in a small setting, you know, not full time being part time or PRN or something like that is something that I think is so beneficial for me and my my health in general, too, because I want to be able to feel like I have a purpose and to be able to get out and enjoy and get experience just whatever it may be in life. And I am actually in the middle of trying to get a position part-time with a facility here that works with different disabilities. I think one, it'll give me the ability to feel like I I've got a purpose. I've got the ability to start working towards a passion of mine. And I don't know. I will be honest, like obviously I don't know what the future holds and if that's gonna work completely or if it's not or if it's gonna be okay, it kind of works, whatever. But I think the thing that I have really tried to grasp onto lately is I don't want to not just try because I don't know. And I think no matter what, I think for the rest of my life, you know, work and making a living is going to look a little bit different maybe than anyone that's else. Okay. Exactly. And I just want to not feel like, I don't want to give up because there's no point in that. And I know I I have so much to give and I know that I want to be able to work towards what I have a passion for. So I want to, you know, start this off and see if this is something I can do. Yeah.
0: The last question I'm going to ask you, this is an interesting one that I do ask a lot of the adults and parents, actually, what would you say to a six-year-old Taylor Ann now?
1: Mm, That's a very good question. Oh man, I think I would say you know the road ahead is going to look very tough and it's going to be very hard. But there's going to be so much more more greatness and positivity and so many great things that to come out of that hard road that you're going to you know take because through it like I have gained the most special outlook on life. I have gained a passion to use my life and circumstances for the better. I think, you know, being able to be like, telling that little Taylor Ann is saying, there's hope, you know, there is hope and there's joy and there's there's so much beauty in the world and what your your life and, you know, there's a lot of like awesome awesome things that you're going to do and experience and people you're going to meet and yeah I just think that there's like there's there is a light at the end of the tunnel even when it doesn't feel like it
0: and that's the greatest advice you can give and having that word hope anyone who's listened to this podcast today I hope that's the one thing they can take away from it like for someone who's been through like you have and I unashamedly call you my little sister because I've seen what you've gone through and I feel such a strong bond with you and your family. And just to see the way you've come through everything, it just, you know, it brings a tear to my eye.
1: Well, I love being able to call you my big brother. (laughs) There's (laughs) a lot, you know, that we've been able to, been able to relate to for each other and you've been a great blessing to me. And, your life experiences I know it's you know it wasn't easy but you've also been able to help me and I know so many others through it all and yeah you've been a blessing
0: and you're going to be a blessing to so many young girls who listen to this and to their parents yes so Taylor Ann thank you so much for being so wonderful on the podcast Mm -hmm. and I just wish you all the best for the future and I know that If we do another interview in two years' time, I'm sure you'll have achieved so many more things in that two years. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.